Love is spiritual, not natural. You ever think about that? This is absolutely miraculous. With love, you get the results now. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to Deep Water, where we're trying to discuss um, controversial issues, uh, big social issues, things that get us stuck, things that cause us anxiety and fear, uh, the, the important things of life, spiritual realities, uh, things like that, okay? And this is meant to be more of a discussion starter than anything else. I'm not saying I've got the solutions to any of these things. But today, what I wanted to talk about, I'm calling uh, the epidemic of loneliness. Um, loneliness is a much, much, much bigger problem than most people realize. Uh, among adults, about 19% of all adults say that they are negatively affected by loneliness at least at significant periods of their life and more than they would like to be and in a way that they believe is holding them back in their life at least to some degree from a little bit to a lot. That's one person in five, okay? Uh, studies also suggest that during this time of COVID, which is unlike any time we've ever seen, there's been a spike in loneliness as much as 50% because people are more isolated, even when they're with other people, it doesn't feel the same because their mouths are all covered and, and that sort of thing. So especially right now with what's been going on in the world, uh, this is an even bigger problem, but I want to stress, even without COVID, even before any of that ever happened, you're talking one out of every five people who, where this is significantly affecting their life, okay? Um, Adult, in another study, adults um, who were tested for their overall health, mental health, physical health, all health, among healthy adults, there was about a 25% um, issue with loneliness. And this is, this is uh, I believe, 60 years older, 60 years old adults and older. All right, among 60 years old and older. There was about a 25% loneliness issue um, with people in that age group. With that age group 60 and above who had poor health, 50% of them had loneliness issues. So 60 and above who were healthy there was a 25% loneliness. 60% above who were unhealthy, mentally, physically, or both, there was a 50% loneliness. Uh, the studies indicate that loneliness is a prediction of functional decline, meaning health problems, and death. Let me say that again. That loneliness, persistent loneliness that doesn't go away over just a short period of time is a reliable predictor of you having health problems 
and even a premature death. The studies indicate that the effect that loneliness has on health is roughly equal to a pack a day smoking for 25 years. Now, to me, that's the one that really rung the bell and made me realize, oh my goodness, it's that big a deal that persistent loneliness is equal to a pack a day smoking for 25 years. Unbelievable. Uh, another study found that it was just as detrimental to a person's health as obesity. And obesity is one of the top predictors of health decline and premature death as well. Okay, um, The causes of loneliness are a myriad. All right? uh, circumstances like we're going through now with COVID, a, a situation like we've never seen before. Uh, mental health problems can lead to loneliness. Physical health problems can lead to a feeling of loneliness. Um, Almost anything you can imagine. Losing a loved one, uh, a dramatic change in your life circumstances, decrease in uh, revenue or, or income. Lots and lots of things can contribute or even cause. It can be one of those or it could be several of those that don't seem like that big a deal, but all together they create a long-term, deeply felt loneliness. Which means it's now like they smoke a pack a day for 25 years as far as the effect it's going to have on their health. All right? The pro one of the problems I see is that we haven't looked at loneliness like that. We haven't looked at it as, as it being a big deal. I mean, you, yeah, cancer's a big deal. Heart disease is a big deal. Uh, severe depression is a big deal. Addictions are a big deal. But loneliness? But, but I got to tell you, um, I am totally on that bandwagon now after the research that I've been doing in preparation for this. When I saw the thing that it was roughly equal to a pack a day smoking for 25 years and it is a reliable predictor of coming health problems and premature death, that, that sold me. Um, let me get a little more. Let, let me share one of these. Um, this is uh, the front page of USA Today. I picked it up in an airport uh, a couple years ago. And at the bottom of the front page, there is a, a brand new study. And, and USA Today has a lot of studies, but they have very few studies that are on the front page of the entire paper. Now, maybe the front page of the life section or something like that, but not many that are on the front page of the front page. All right? This one is front page of front page. Why? Well, in, this, in the study, what they found was absolutely incredible to me. What they found is that people who have conflicted, stressful, or strained relationships are 300% more likely to get a major illness or disease by middle age, not old age, by middle age, and die. 
in middle age. If your relationships are strained or stressful, you have a 300% bigger chance of getting a disease and dying in middle age as opposed to if your relationships are harmonious of not getting a disease by middle age and living to old age in a healthy fashion. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've been, I've been looking at scientific studies for over 30 years and especially in these types of areas of psychology, uh, self-help, self-growth, uh, things like that, all right? Typically, 20% from a new study, that this makes a 20% difference in your life or illness and disease or living or dying or whatever, typically 20% is significant news. 50% is headlines. This is 300%. In 30 years, ladies and gentlemen, I have never seen any other single factor that makes a 300% difference with whether you live or die, or whether you get a major disease or don't. Never, never seen one that was 300%. This one is, and, and what is it that makes the difference? If you are in loving, harmonious relationship, or you're in conflicted, stressful relationship, which would mean you're lonely because that relationship is not right and it's one that's important to you. Okay? So, again, with another study, just like the one I quoted earlier, you know, this is like smoking cigarettes for 25 years, at least a pack a day, maybe more so, it's a reliable predictor of dying young and getting disease young, etc. Well, this study confirms that yet again and how big a deal this is. So why would that be? Why would it be that a conflicted relationship uh, and in this case loneliness might make a bigger difference in our happiness and health than almost anything else we can name? Why would that be? It's really not that complicated. There's a mechanism in your brain called the hypothalamus, okay? Uh, the hypothalamus is the mechanism inside you that either flips the stress switch on or the stress switch off or the love switch on or the love switch off, okay? That's what the hypothalamus does. It's it's the thing that flips one of those switches, all right? And it determines whether to which switch to flip based on how you're feeling inside, uh, on what messages, what thoughts, what feelings, what emotions are coming from your memory banks as you go through your day, all right? So, if messages from your memory banks, your programming, your hard drive are um, about harmonious relationships and peace and love, okay, 
then the hypothalamus flips on the love switch and flips off the stress switch. What does that mean? It means that my body starts creating chemicals. And in this case, the chemicals that if they could ever make it into a drug, it'd be the top selling drug of all time. Chemicals like oxytocin, endorphins, peptides, all those wonderful, feel good, can stay up all night, have loads of energy, all of those kind of chemicals. And from a non-chemical, I have positive thoughts, positive feelings, positive emotions, and overwhelmingly, based on those two things, I will tend to have positive actions. I'll be able to do what I want to do and not do what I don't want to do better than I ever could in any other situation. Okay, but what, what if what if the hypothalamus is getting negative signals from my memory banks and my programming? That's when it flips the love switch off and the stress switch on, which, which uh, does a bunch of things. It releases cortisol and adrenaline. It's called, you know this as fight or flight. It has several names. Uh, the medical name is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Say that five times fast. That's the medical name, all right? The more common name is the stress response, and, an, and a third name is the fear response. It's only supposed to happen two or three times a year when your life is literally in imminent danger, meaning maybe uh, uh, a big truck is about to pull over on you on interstate, or um, you're too close to a 30-foot drop and almost fall off and have to kind of catch yourself and go, oh boy, that was close. I got way too close to that. But, but it's supposed to happen once or twice, three times a year for 10 or 15 minutes until the emergency's over, and then you go right back into physiological peace. The problem is, if you're in an inward state of loneliness, which means almost certainly that you have relationships that are conflicted, stressful, or they're gone, like someone either leaving you or a divorce or someone died or there's a, you're not uh, happy with each other right now or whatever, then you're guaranteed that the hypothalamus flips the stress switch on, the love switch off. Well, the very first thing that happens when your stress switch is flipped on is your immune system is turned off or down because it uses more energy than anything else. And in the next 10 minutes, you need the energy to try to save your life. That virus can wait for 10 minutes. Digestion can wait for 10 minutes. The problem is, with long-term chronic loneliness, it's not 10 minutes. It ends up being, based on the studies, five to 30 times every day to the point that you're living in a stressful state. You almost never come out of it. And that's why its effect is like smoking a pack or more a day for 25 years. And it is a reliable predictor of early disease and even death. Okay? So, what do you do? I mean, if you're lonely, uh, maybe it's your circumstance. You're older and your spouse is passed on. Um, Maybe you're just kind of an introvert and for whatever reason you've ended up on your own. 
and by the way, you can feel lonely in the middle of a huge crowd. In fact, it happens all the time. My wife is like that. Uh, one of her most dreaded things to do used to be going to a party. And as soon as she got there, she couldn't wait to leave and was almost like in a panic attack the whole time she's there. A and she was feeling totally alone in the middle of a bunch of people who are just having fun. So it doesn't have to be you have certain circumstances. It could be that you have internal programming that has you in a place of loneliness almost all the time and you don't know how you got here and you don't know how to get out. All right, so what do you do if that's your situation? Well, you have to prioritize relationships. Now, that can be relationship with yourself. It can be relationship with God. Uh, Andrew Newberg, MD, he's a neurosurgeon, wrote a wonderful book with several of his neurosurgeon uh, colleagues, and it's based on research they did, and they were trying to figure out what is the most healthy thing on earth for the human brain and nervous system, because that's like the control center. If the brain and nervous system are functioning great, then chances are everything else is going to be pretty good too. Now there's exceptions to that, but they're rare, okay? Plus, they're neurosurgeons, so that's their field. So they did this study to find out what is the most healthy thing. Is it vitamin D? Is it CBD? Is it, um, what, you know, what is it? So they tested all these different exercises, so they tested all these different things, and the conclusion and they wrote a book about it that I think was a bestseller. Um, I believe it was called something like um, How God Changes Your Brain. And the first thing you need to know is these aren't a bunch of guys uh, getting together saying you should go to church or something. Had nothing to do with that. They're just looking for what's the healthiest thing for the human brain and nervous system. The results of their study is that the healthiest thing for the human brain and nervous system is a belief in God and prayer. Okay? Um, another wonderful book, Reinventing Medicine by Larry Dossey, MD. And in, in that book, he cites several double-blind studies where people were prayed for, only they didn't know they were being prayed for, and other groups weren't being prayed for. The conclusion is the groups that were prayed for were better in every single way. Their surgeries went better, they needed less medication, they recovered more quickly, they had relapses less often, they were happier in their life, they had less pain. I mean, basically everything you can name was was better. And, and those two bodies of research kind of confirm each other. Why am I bringing that up? Well, uh, there's a thing I call a Tevia prayer. Have you ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? A and Tevia is the main character. And Tevia kind of starts a prayer in the morning and just sort of continues it all day. And everywhere he goes, he's just sort of talking out loud to God. Now, if it wasn't a movie, probably a lot of that he would never even say out loud. He would just be thinking. But he would be thinking a dialogue, a relationship with God. 
okay? If you don't believe in God, I would try that with your heart. Have a dialogue with your heart, which I believe is largely what science calls the unconscious and subconscious mind, okay? Um, but have a running prayer all day long or a running dialogue all day long with God, with your heart. Uh, talk to people who aren't there. You know, when I was a little kid, they used to say, if you talk to yourself, it's a sign of being crazy, uh, insane, mentally ill. Well, that's not true. Maybe there are some people mentally ill who talk to themselves, but that does not assign that you're mentally ill. In fact, I think talking out loud or to yourself or to people that aren't there can be very, very healthy. In 1935, Albert Einstein did a study. It was called Action at a Distance, and it was a thought study. That's what they called it. And what they found is that people who maybe have just met like one time, very briefly, continue to be connected to each other over time. And even though they're not in the same place at the same time or even thinking about each other, the physiology of one of them can affect the physiology of another. It's like there's this long umbilical cord between them and they're passing stuff back and forth that literally affects their physiology. Well, talk to your mom even though she's not there, just like she is there. And, and go look up that study and, and maybe entertain the option that even though she doesn't hear all the words I'm saying, maybe she is, is feeling some result from that in her physiology or her emotions or impulses or, or something like that. And I believe those things happen all the time, especially when we do it with the intention of them happening, okay? Um, you, you can talk to someone who is passed on as if they are here. And I believe a lot of times that's very, very therapeutic. Uh, tell them how your day's going. Wish you were here. I remember this time we did this or that. Um, so you can absolutely do that, and I would do that. Um, I think this world of people getting together by way of the internet is fantastic. Um, just about anything that exists can be either used for good or bad or neutral. You can take a baseball bat and make wonderful memories in the backyard with your child, or you can take a baseball bat and hit someone over the head and rob them. It's not the bat, it's how you use it. And there's a lot of horrible things on the internet, but there's a lot of wonderful stuff too. And I think people connecting to each other is one of the really wonderful things. I, I, I've got good friends who have hooked up on eHarmony and gotten married and said I never would have met that person. There are things like that today that are not even for marriage or a romantic relationship. It's just connecting with someone who has similar likes and you get together and talk. Uh, even if it's on Zoom or Skype or something like that, or, or talking on the phone. And maybe once a year you can get together in real life. But anyway, you can still have contact with people no matter what your circumstances are. Even if you can't walk, you can still have contact with people. And, but, but kind of the um, bottom line of this is 
if you have an issue with loneliness, and, and if you do, you probably know you do, start prioritizing relationships in your life. The Tevia prayer, talking to God, talking to family members or friends that aren't there, hooking up with people over the internet, on the phone, um, all of the above. Because how your relationships go determines, in large measure, how your health and happiness goes. Um, last thing I'm going to say is the way your brain is wired, your brain is always searching either for something fear-based or something love-based. If it picks up fear-based, it flips on stress. If it picks up love-based, it flips on oxytocin, endorphins, etc. If it doesn't pick up either one, it probably just keeps it sort of in neutral. But any issue you can ever have in your life, a financial issue, a health issue, a relationship issue, any issue you can ever have in your life, ultimately at its root, somehow, somewhere, boils down to a relationship issue. Now, it may have been 150 years ago, but if you could follow it back all the way, it started at its root as a relationship issue. How can I know that? Because it's how we're made. It's how we're made. Our brain is searching for either a, a love-based relationship signal or a fear-based signal. And fear is the absence of love. And there is no love, true love, outside of relationships. So, if, if you struggle with loneliness or, or anything like that, start prioritizing relationships in your life and become creative as a way to increase that positive relationship stuff in your life so that you will be one of the 300% that live healthy and happy to old age. And if you're watching this and you're a believer, I mean, all you got to do is look in the book. What are the, what's the criteria on Judgment Day for entrance into heaven? It says, come in, because when I was lonely, you visited me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was... And it says... They will say on that day, Lord, when did we see you thirsty or hungry or lonely or whatever? And it says God will say, as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So nothing could be more scriptural. Nothing could be more loving than prioritizing relationships uh, understanding the dangers of loneliness and, and, and separation and isolation and prioritizing the relationships in your life and not just relationships, but relationships rooted in love and kindness uh, and reaching out to other people to help them as well as yourself. Okay? So um, let's uh, realize that Loneliness right now is an epidemic 
and that love and kindness and relationship is the solution. So prioritize that in your life, and I believe your relationship with the Lord, your health, everything else will go, will get better and better and better.